You are listening to episode 79 of the Game Deflators podcast. This is, what is it, Ryan? Probably six, seven weeks social distancing. I have no idea, but my name's John. Here's Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we just have a super time in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Super is probably the most... um, underrated statement you could have made or overrated however you want to look at it uh so yeah folks this week we played super r-type on the super nintendo and god man that thing is hard as nails uh, how could anybody ever play that in one sitting i mean i beat it well yeah you beat it with like multiple resets <laughs> i, cheat, I cheated hard <laughs> yeah i cheated hard too with save states and i still was having a tough time okay so uh Dude, as always, let's go ahead and start for pickups. I actually had a pretty eventful week. Um, You know, when it comes to sitting in your house and having eBay at the palm of your hands, things can get pretty bad. So I went ahead and loaded up on a few games that I've been missing and a couple games that I really probably don't know why I purchased them. So first one I picked up was Guardians Crusade. It is an RPG to the PS1 adds to my collection of RPGs on PS1, which is great. And then Beyond the Beyond, this one was an awesome pickup, in my opinion. So I've never heard normally of it. It's, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd had it on my list for quite a while. Um, so this game in particular, it was sitting on my list for a good bit. And I finally was like, hey, let me check out how retro prices for some of these more obscure RPGs are going. Because a lot of the like Final Fantasy and all that is like selling like crazy. But maybe some of those lower end titles that are not as well known or, you know, kind of low right now. So Beyond the Beyond, look at that old anime box art. Yeah, right. Isn't it great? Guardians Crusade looks even worse. So, uh, yeah, so this one look really good in this. Yeah, they do. Actually, I was kind of pleasantly surprised on this. I like how they're kind of like standing in like a semicircle kind of pattern. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it. They they both look pretty cool. Um, so dude, to beyond to beyond, it was going for about forty five to fifty is what I was seeing it going at, and a low on forty one. So earlier in the week, I was bidding on it. I think I talked about it on the episode that or the last episode that I was really hoping that my bid would come through at like under twenty bucks, right, or like around twenty bucks and eight bucks shipping. I would have been happy, right? Well, somebody beat me out on it. The game sold with shipping. It came with like forty three dollars. Okay, so I didn't get it. So a couple days later, I'm just kind of searching and I find one. It says $20, $8 shipping complete read description. I'm like, OK, this this will be interesting. We'll see what it's got going. So all it says on there is, hey, I just don't own a PS1 game disc looks fantastic. I'm not able to test it. I'm like, OK, so I hit on my watch, checked all the other games and stuff. The guy was selling. He don't own a PS3. Right. So he was selling a ton or of a other PS2. stuff. PS2 or a ps2 yeah so there's a ton of other stuff he was listing like he had like a frog statue and a book and some dvds and shoes so i looked i'm like this guy's clearly just clearing out his house and selling stuff so i put that together and then he had a a copy of dragon warrior 7 or dragon quest 7 i guess for sale and it was the same description disc looks great i don't have a ps1 to test it so i'm like all right this guy's got to be telling the truth and besides ebay has a buyer back guarantee he doesn't have it is not working he just says it's untested so if it's broken, I can return it, obviously. And so uh, I went ahead and bought it and I booted it up and no problem. No scratches. Looks fantastic. The guy shipped it within a day. Like it was literally next day to my house. It was nice. nuts. So, yeah, right. So and he he obviously just had a great looking game. The only downside is a case on the front is cracked. I'll replace that with some spare cases I have here in the house. And dude, I ended up basically getting, you know, uh, beyond the beyond for probably what 15 bucks less than what it goes for on ebay like that's actually kind of shocking sweet deal so I, sweet deals are yeah, out there sure. people it's not sweet just deals. the giant pickups it's the little ones too they're the, out the little ones like that exactly and the other two games i got i got golem which is on the ps4 it's a vr game and the only reason i picked that up is i was looking at a list of like hard to find psvr games and golem was on there and when I looked on eBay, they were going for about 30 bucks, roughly, is what they were selling for brand new. And I ended up finding it on Amazon for like 15 with Prime. So it was like, no brainer. Let me pick that up. And the other one was Arizona Sunshine. Obviously, living in Arizona, we love the sunshine and we love shooting zombies. So whenever we get VR set up, we got to play Arizona Sunshine. Okay. It's apparently a really fun game. I forgot. And it's a PAL game as well. Yeah, I forgot something to put in my 
playing that I will talk about shortly, but I got my first taste of VR this week. I've never oh, really? done VR. My friends got VR, and I checked it out. It was awesome. Well, it's a good time to kick it over to you for your uh, pickups. So this week, I didn't pick anything up on purpose. I am uh, not picking up the PS Plus games for May because they suck. And uh, a lot of people were unhappy about that. Uh, I read this article earlier this week at Tech Radar by uh, Raj Narayan. And uh, man, Farming Simulator and City Skylines, two games I could care less about, two games most people could care less about, two games that don't measure up to the rumored Dark Souls Remastered and Dying Light, two games I would love to have. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to continue to say that, man, PS Plus just kind of sucks. Like, since they killed off, you know, PS Vita and PS3, it's already taken a huge hit. And now they're just shoving out stuff that I mostly don't care about. Like, I can't tell you the last PS Plus game I actually sat down and played. So, um yeah just unhappy not not picking that stuff up dude uh with the playstation plus i guess my opinion on it is just download it you know like if it's going to be in your library you have it and not to say that you're ever going to play it but at least you have it uh and on top of that doing it protest well i'm i'm doing it and the reason being is i kind of want to try farming simulator to see how it is so and City Skylines looks okay. It's kind of like a ripoff of a whole bunch of other games. But uh, regardless, man, I'm going to download it. I'm not protesting this one. Yeah, it, they're crappy There's games. There's got to be not... some Sim fans out there that are super stoked. And this May is all for them. So, you know, if you're one of those people out there that just loves a good, a good Sim game, then enjoy them. You know, it would have been hilarious if they release these on April 1st as a download uh, games and then release something else. Right. That would have been a win on Sony's part. But yeah, they're, they're crappy games. I totally get it. But at the same time, they're free. We've gotten free games during the course of a year, like the Uncharted collection. I think Last of Us was on there as well. So I'm just wondering getting, if they're like, trying to, you know, get in on the calm nature of Animal Crossing success during this time and be like, well, maybe... Maybe people will play these. Uh, yeah, and actually, this is a good time, Ryan. I posted a meme on our Facebook page at the Game Deflators of um, it was Farming Simulator. The Simpsons predicted this a long time ago. So if you look at the meme, absolutely makes sense. You got Farming Simulator or no, it's Yardwork Simulator. And you've got uh, the Animal Crossing characters pulling out weeds. Yeah, it's awesome. So, yeah, catch us on there. Catch us on Twitter at game deflators because they don't like the instagram is at the game deflators and then for podcast episodes uh if you're listening now enjoy it on your favorite you know solution that you have for podcasts but we're also on itunes iHeartRadio, spotify and google and a whole bunch of other good stuff and five star reviews always yes uh so, so dude, uh, what are you playing this week i went at it again i hacked the snes classic this week and you got to do mine next. That's where I played Super R-Type. And it was it was a fun, you know, game. We'll talk about it more later. I was able to beat it because the SNES Classic has a function where you hit the reset switch. It creates a save state. And then you can go in and just rewind back like 30 seconds or whatever and pick up right where you left off. So I did that about a hundred thousand times and eventually got all the way through the game. And then uh, I've been playing more paper Mario. I love paper Mario. I just got through uh, chapter two, which is the dry, dry desert, which is one of my favorite chapters. And I'm on my way to the haunted forest and to Tubble of Lovers castle. And that's one of my other favorite chapters. So uh the game starts off so strong like kind of by the end like i think that the uh oh what is it the flower fields i think that that's probably kind of like the weakest part for me and it kind of sucks because it's right near the end so it should be building momentum then but like the whole first half of this game is like some of my favorite memories in gaming so i've been loving to death 
playing that just kind of here and there where I'm waiting on something or standing in the line. It's super easy. And then uh, been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. Which, yeah, I've been seeing that, man. Your wife keeps posting Facebook posts. Yeah, it's it's been great. Um, man, last so last night in that, um, I mean, I guess spoilers for anybody, but not really. There's a part in the game where you have to fight a boss, and that boss is a iteration of a Final Fantasy VII enemy that is a a stronger enemy but just a regular enemy that you can run into in the world and i think everybody was really waiting to see how it would get implemented and that's the hell house do you remember the hell house from final fantasy 7 john i do remember the hell house from final fantasy 7 ryan yeah it's just like a regular enemy in midgar and it's this like house that you fight that's got like you know robot parts sticking out of it so it's it's a boss in this game and uh, my wife beat it last night on her first try, but it was the most frustrating boss fight ever because we were just not equipped for it. We'd been doing all these. Uh, it's in this arena area. So we had fought several waves of enemies before that. And the thing about it is that you need to exploit its elemental weaknesses and it changes its elemental weakness all the time. So if you go into that fight with only one elemental materia equipped and it hardly ever changes to that one and when it does change to that color it sucks you up inside of it it's just it was so frustrating she was trying to fight it and it's like as cloud every hit just bounced off and did like no damage and then uh trying to use Aerith, like it seemed like her attacks were landing pretty good but it just took forever to grind through this guy's health pool because we just couldn't fight it the way the game needed us to fight it for it to be a reasonable battle. Like it took what could have been just like a fun, engaging battle and probably would have been if we were equipped properly and turned it into a monster, like 20 minute slog of a battle. So good question here for you. Uh, assuming you beat the original Final Fantasy. I did not. Who is your... Oh, damn, Ryan. Okay, well, who do you plan on having as your final party in this game? Um, I mean, that's going to depend because we play it to... We're playing it together, and I don't really know... Like, that's one of the problems with playing games together sometimes is that I feel like neither of us are probably as proficient in the combat as maybe we should be you know like there's definitely things that i do that she doesn't do because i'm paying attention to those things when she's fighting and then the reverse is also true so it's like i have a hard time like keeping up with the healing and she has a hard time keeping up with like using the atb bars efficiently so I feel like we both could be stronger at the game and it's really going to depend, but I really was a fan of, um, I really like Yuffie in the original. And then, mm -hmm. um, I don't know, either like Barrett or Sid. Oh, you're killing me, Ryan. So my party when I beat it uh, years ago was cloud, obviously, uh, Red 13 and Yuffie. Those are always my go-to characters. Absolutely loved using that combination. I did use a little bit of Vincent, but not too much. So, uh, okay. Oh, one uh, more thing other... that I did this week. I did okay. BR. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. You were going to say that. Yeah. So how'd that go? So my friend built like an awesome rig and got an Oculus and oh my god so we took we dived right in first with super hot which everybody says is like the best vr game and it's so fun to watch people play and like you could see what's on the screen you could see them like what they're actually doing and it's just hilarious and it's a great time to just like you know share the the headset around with other people that are clean and have been practicing and observing social distancing for the last few months you know it's very important to make sure that you know you wipe things down and all that stuff take care of yourselves 
while you're having fun. And uh, it was just incredible. I I got a lot of shit because I was trying to play it more like in real time than really using the uh, the time mechanic. Do you know about Super Hot John? No, I haven't played it. Okay, so it's a game where uh, time moves when you move. So it's a first person like matrix combat simulator type thing. Like each level is just like you spawn in, you are in an environment and there's guys coming at you with like guns and knives and stuff. And everything's just kind of like boxed wireframe style or polygon style. Like it looks like very, you know, low tech, but it's like all white colors. Yeah. So you can like, grab a knife or a gun out of the air and like you shoot and try to hit them and try to dodge out of the way matrix style from their bullets because time only moves when you move so if you stand still you can like look around and assess your situation and then just quickly react to what's happening so it's a ton of fun and then after that we played this game called climb which is a like free climbing game and it was really interesting and cool like the you really felt like you know if you just hold your arms up in the air long enough it gets hard to hold your arms up in the air and this game is all about like climbing rock walls and stuff and the controls are you know i i felt like everybody felt like they got some kind of you know not like a full workout but like you know some type of fatigue from doing it and we had a great time. I think that maybe the I think maybe the biggest issue is that as much fun as VR is, it's still just too much of a high price point for me to buy into. Like the the setup of the rig that they have and the price of the headset, it's just it's a huge investment that I'm not ready to make yet. It needs to come down to a more user-friendly all in one package and i think that my first like ownership into vr like i talked about trying to get that oculus quest last year and then that never happened it was probably going to be like the psvr2 linked up with the ps5 because i'll have a ps5 at some point and i think the psvr2 will be at that kind of entry level and timing when i'll be ready for it yeah, and I, you know, I've talked about it before, too. I would really hope to get a PS5 with a VR connection to it, hopefully wireless, and have the ability to do PS4 games, obviously. So I, that's why I'm, like, stocking up on PS4 VR, man, games that, like, nobody's looking at right now. I'm just picking up anything I can at this point. And, you know, at some point here, hopefully in the next year or so, we'll be playing some Arizona Sunshine and Golem. Uh, dude, so uh, one other pickup that we had, so this was interesting, so at my wife's work, they have like this free table where people just like leave random crap all the time. And it's just like if it's on a table, you could take it like that's what it's for. So she picked up Ark Survival Evolved on the Nintendo Switch game was just like randomly sitting on this table. She's like, I'll take it. So she got the pickup of the year, Ryan. She didn't have to pay a damn thing. And she got a Nintendo Switch game. So uh, other than that. What I'm currently playing, still playing some Neverwinter Nights, where in the middle of chapter chapter two, I think actually still technically, uh, I was actually no chapter three. Sorry. So we're at the end of that. We're trying to find the words of power. And I just came across a white dragon uh, who has one of the words of power. And I told him this is the funniest thing. So as we're talking, he's like, I'm not letting the word of power go. And I'm not telling you where it is. I keep it close. And so, of course, I was like, all right well, I guess I'll have to take it from you. And he's like, let's see you try. He goes ahead and growls, and then there's just fear surrounding him, and I just run away pretty much. And he absolutely demolished me. It was the greatest thing ever. So luckily I saved before that. Uh, But yeah, that game's getting kind of hard, so I got to figure out what we're doing next and somehow correct the ability to not get fear. That would be nice. Uh, The other piece that I'm playing right now, obviously, is Ark the Lad 3. I progressed through... uh, Gislam and Testa and I am now in I think it's like the city of Jihard or something I forget the name it's like J-I-H-A-R-D-T I think is how you say it and I'm on mission number 52 I believe 
And I think the game progresses to disc two around mission 64, roughly. Uh, but so far, dude, the game's been a blast. I'm still enjoying it. Uh, there's uh, one piece of a game that's really funny. So there's this gang called the Rainbow Bridge Gang. And the main dude, this just truly shows you 90s RPGs. I don't know how many times the secondary character, so not Alec, but Lutz, has called them fruitcakes and fairies in the game. And I'm like, this would never fly in this day and age, this game. I'm just like, like amazed by how much developers and and writers got away with back in like 92 and 93. It's crazy. So I, I just like, there's so many puns. I've been laughing at just about everything. Uh, there was one really cool mission where you're trying to, get this like there's this mysterious sound coming from a house and when you go in there's this guy and he's like hey i'm just trying to create this uh core synthesis that's in these books of ancient times like i need your help so the whole mission you're helping this guy out and you're trying to figure out what the synthesis combination is and he's standing there talking and he's like you know hey i'll meet you at you know this the weapon synthesis uh location and i'll drop off the items there and we can do this together well, you go run the rest of your mission. And when you get there, they're like, oh, yeah, um, he died like a year ago. Like we we haven't seen him in years. He dropped this off and he went off to a river to go find an item. And he ended up drowning when trying to save a child. I'm like, what? So like this whole time you're interacting with a ghost in this mission. And it was just like blew my mind. Like all the mini stories that are in Arc the Lad 3 of these hunter missions are just great, dude. Like some are really dumb, but some are just flipping cool, man. As you go through them, you're like, wow, this is like a really cool experience. Just all the different types of, you know, missions and people you interact with. You know, so, another game that uh, that kind of reminds me of is one that you almost played was Lost Odyssey. It has this. Uh, oh, well, I have it. Like, I need yeah, to play it. It's like thousand years of dreams or 10,000 years of dreams or something. And they're just these stories from one of the characters past and it's like it's some of them are great and some of them aren't so great but like the ones that are great it's like wow this is like a really cool thing to have in this rpg that's already got its own epic story to have this like developed side story and i know people are always saying that like in uh witcher 3 like some of the side quests are as good as main quests from other games so it's like i really love when they can build the world up a lot through that because you see so many rpgs that are you know they don't really establish the world around them as feeling like like a real place mm -hmm. like you know in in a final fantasy 15 you know you go out and you know there's like the in that first big area there's like the chocobo farm and the gas station and, you know, there's like a few people standing there that are like quest givers and stuff, but like it doesn't like there's no houses or, you know, there's no like it doesn't seem like it's it's always like as real until you get those characters that are, you know, believable in the world. Yeah, for sure, man. And, you know, what's actually pretty cool about this game, too, is how they have certain characters that continue on. Right. So that Rainbow Bridge Gang. I've come across him in every single world so far, and it's just gotten like progressively funnier, like the whole gang in general. So your first interaction with them, you're in this when you first start out in this first continent and they're like on a bridge. Right. And they just will not let you get across. They're like we're the rainbow bridge gang. You're like, who the hell are these guys? So you beat them and they run off. No big deal. The next world you go to. You have another interaction and they fight you really quick and they run off and like they're telling their story as it gets there. In the third continent that I got to, they're sitting on this dock or this pier and they're just looking off into the sunset or actually it's just the chief of them. And he's looking off into the sunset and they're, you're like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, well, uh, I have a tale to tell you about the Rainbow Bridge Gang and how it all began. And so it like flashes back. Right. And then it goes into this whole thing. He's talking to the men and everything. And he's talking about how, hey, you know, I know you're down in the dumps and the great disaster and everything, but don't throw your life away. Join my gang and everything. So he goes ahead and like they do this whole flashback and they're showing everything. And then it just pans over and all the characters are just standing there like, did you really just have to reenact your entire flashback? 
like what was the point of that and they're all talking about it like hey that's our flashback like don't don't get on our case about it and then the battle ensues and the most recent one they recruited an assistant to the chief and she's sitting there and she's all you know angry and in the dumps and you're like hey what's going on we heard her as a gang here and so she says oh yeah i've got to tell you the story so she says the whole story and then it flashes over and the whole gang is standing there with her and she's like and that's how i became the assistant to the chief and you're like what so they just like reenacted a whole flashback again and every time they go into battle it's like progressively funnier where like when you first battle them there's no colors or anything now whenever they're like let's get into battle a rainbow comes across of like this sound of sparkling and then there's rays of sunshine and birds flying and then it jumps in the battle like it's hilarious dude but you know to your point they're building up this other group within the actual storyline so you have like this side story going on all the way through and it's it's really a fun time so anybody that hasn't played these definitely give them a shot uh and ryan we have one last pickup by the way so we had our contest currently on Twitter, Facebook, and other locations. Uh, and right now, we went ahead and picked the winner. So it is going to be at Kenzen Kress. He is on Twitter. And this is uh, Joe Swope. So congratulations, the, uh, Joe. I hope that you're uh, excited to play. Yep. So we ended up having a couple keys to Street Fighter, or not Street Fighter, Jesus, Streets of Rage 4. And because uh, I recently picked up the collector's editions and limited run games said, hey, we don't want you to wait until fall to pick this up. So we're going to go ahead and give you some key gens, right? Not key gens, but some keys to uh, Steam so you can go ahead and play it. So, uh, Joe, have fun with that. Uh, hope you don't have the game already. Uh, if you do, feel free to give it to a friend. And uh, I've heard some great reviews. It actually yeah, seems it's supposed pretty to be cool. a pretty so, good game. Yeah, I'm going to take the extra key I have and, and use it <laughs> for myself so I can play it. OK, man. Uh, well, let's get on this guy's level. So uh, to start off our news, a man was recently busted for playing Apex Legends on an airport screen. If you check out the picture, it's fantastic. He's just, he's sitting there and he's got, you know, how they have those walls of TV screens when you're sitting down and it's got like all of the different flight departures and stuff. It doesn't look like anybody's around. It's obviously very late. And this dude's traveling. So he decided, you know what? I got my PlayStation and he just hooks right into the uh, TV and he's playing Apex Legends there. And it's like this guy, he's a legend and I love it. Oh, I yeah. think this yeah. is awesome. Uh, it wrapped up with no problem. They just politely asked him if he could, uh, you know, cease what he's doing. And he asked if he could finish his game and they said no. So, you know, that sucks for him, but I, I love it. I love that. That's uh, something that somebody did. And dude, that was uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, it was on one of our later articles about Nintendo. Uh, after I read the article, I scrolled down and I saw that as a featured article. I'm like, no, there's no way that like this isn't true. And I clicked it. And it's like, yeah. So apparently by uh, Matthew Galt at Vice. And we've actually got another article from him this week, too. So thank you, Matthew, yeah. for reporting you. The, the fun news. And, you know, this is actually something that I uh, took from this article and learned. I, I've been looking to get a TV to set up on my desk at home for plugging in consoles and stuff and playing games. And man, it's just so hard to find like a 32 inch TV. Like you have to go online. They're like still like 130 bucks. So I think I found a better alternative that I didn't even really realize was a thing but it's like a portable monitor with an HDMI in and like an audio jack and a few extra ports, some USB C's and a USB two. And it's just like a 15.6 inch monitor, basically a tablet. That's just a screen. And it's like, that's what this guy needs. And that's what I need. So I think that uh, whoever this guy is, we could both, you know, benefit from getting one of these. Yeah, and I, you know, I do wonder, though, who is carrying around a full-blown PS4 and HDMI cable and everything else, you know, in their, like, carry-on luggage for an airport? Like that's I just, mean, it depends on what you're traveling for, I guess. Some people do it. I, I mean, they make you at the airport take out any full-size consoles. And uh, when I was traveling last, I did not take my Switch out. 
because I was like, it's not a full size console. Well, like, apparently they consider it a full size console. So I had to, they made me pull it out of my bag and run my bag through again. See, if you had the TSA pre check, you wouldn't have to, Ryan. Um, you know, though, I can't really talk too much. I at one point traveled the full blown Atari 5200 in my luggage and games. And uh, it was the most hilarious thing because at that point, they weren't like fully expecting you to take out luggage. Um, so obviously, I just told the guy, I said, hey, is this OK to run through? And he's like, oh, well, what is it? So I opened up the bag he saw. and He's like, <laughs> he just started laughing and says, yeah, there's no way there's any tech in there that's going to pose any risk. Go ahead and run it through the scanner. But it was the craziest thing. So I'm just like lugging around this huge ass Atari 5200 in my bag. So that was Why? interesting. Why? Because I had gotten it from somebody, uh, an ex-friend, and uh, it was just something they passed on to me. And I was traveling back home and I really didn't have much of a choice. It was either ship the thing for like 50 bucks or pop it in my carry on luggage, which I happen to have space in. OK, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, dude, I went to the post office and dude, that thing is huge. There's no way it it would fit in there. So it was nice that I was able to take it on the plane and uh, obviously keep it safe with me versus the hassles of travel in a, you know, in a box. So I don't think we have anything else in this. The man's a legend. Apex Legends was his game. And, um, you know, airport security probably could have just let him finish a game. I mean, who's traveling right now? Our next piece, dude, uh, this was actually pretty cool, and I really wish I would have downloaded this before it was taken down, but uh, somebody actually created, or not created, but emulated Super Mario 64 on the PC, so they ported it on a PC and had it at 4K resolution, which is pretty sweet. Uh, that has since been taken down by Nintendo, uh, but this was by Patrick Peralt at TechRaptor. So, Ryan, any comments? Yeah, that's Nintendo. I mean, that sounds like a Nintendo thing. Like, you put up something Nintendo, and they're going to yank it down. I mean, they've even been yanking uh, videos and stuff of it. So they don't want that out there in the world, and I guess I understand why, but, you know, whatever, you know what, I guess. <laughs> I think it's a... So it sucks because that person's obviously, you know, had their content that they've worked on so long taken off, but... You know, Nintendo really should, for a lot of these folks that do this, they should give them jobs, you know, to be completely honest. Like, if you're here rendering 4K quality Super Mario 64 and you have this thing launched and ready to go, why isn't Nintendo reaching out to you and saying, hey, you've obviously got some skills. Maybe you should join our team. Well, you know, I bet or... people at Nintendo could do that, too. I mean, I don't know what the process is. I don't know how hard it is to do, but I mean... I don't think that gaming companies don't do this stuff because they can't. I think they don't do this stuff because they don't want to, because it's not going to be worth their time and they don't want anybody undermining, you know, but here, it, here's the it's thing, a part of, it's a part of intellectual property. Like in order to have intellectual property protection, you have to protect it. Like you can't well, let yeah. people get away with stuff. Otherwise, you're not defending it, and then you kind of lose the whole deal. But hear me out here, okay? So the game's already done. The guy's already got it. PC port, 4K quality, it's done. All Nintendo needs to do is take it off and say, hey, you're not going to have it on here. However, we'd like to hire you to be on our team. And by the way, we're taking all of this that you've made, and we're going to go ahead, you know, it's our property. We're going to go ahead and release it now. That's never, that's never happened. I mean, there's been a full on fan translation of mother three for a long time now. And they shouted at Nintendo, take it, just take it and release it. And they wouldn't do it. You know, they, it's not, it's not about all that. And plus what is Nintendo? Nintendo doesn't have any devices that are 4k supported. And they're not going to release Nintendo IPs on another's you know hardware well they There's have no they do it on they do it on mobile all the time apparently what do they have three games on there now yeah but those aren't 4k ports of mario 64 no they're not but could they take this and put it on switch i bet they could maybe not 4k but i'm sure they could do something with it yeah but they haven't even released super mario 64 for switch again yet they don't I know, even have I'm a saying. 64 shop. I know that Nintendo has a lot of problems, but this this guy doing this isn't going to inspire Nintendo to do anything. Ah, uh, well, maybe with the 64 version in 4K floating out there in downloads, maybe something like this pushes them to kind of, you know, ramp up efforts and, and pop something out there that's high quality. Well, 
if uh, if that doesn't get you know people thinking about what Nintendo has out in the world, this certainly will. This next article is also by Matthew Galt at Vice. Uh, using leaked Nintendo source code poses serious legal risk to emulators. If you guys didn't know, uh, Nintendo got a bunch of source code for the N64, Wii, GameCube, and some other uh, games, too. There was some... Uh... Oh, it was more than that, dude. It's like... Yeah, there was a, a ton of stuff that was leaked this Yeah, week. I'm trying to find in the article where have... it says everything. They have like their Space World conference was uh, leaked on there. They have marketing materials that have been leaked. They have source code for different builds games. for early Pokemon games. Yeah, just about everything and anything yeah, has been leaked. A ton of stuff. So uh, I read this article earlier this week and I didn't realize that uh, this would be something the emulation community wouldn't necessarily be excited about because they're only able to legally do what they do through reverse engineering. So looking at the source code is not only not beneficial, but possibly harmful. Uh, just looking at the code isn't going to like break any rules or break any laws or put them in jeopardy. But at the risk of accidentally using some of that in your own code, that could potentially pose a threat to these people that have been working on this for a long time. I mean, they've got uh, a quote here, having a 16 plus year old emulator project go up and smoke isn't something I'd want to have happen. I've already seen a few comments on Reddit saying something along the lines of, well, why don't you just make use of it, but change it up a little bit before using it, which uh, is a profound lack of perspective. Uh, that's from Lion Cash. Yeah, so Lioncash, I think, if I'm correct here, is part of the Dolphin emulator team. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's pretty much saying, like, look, if you copy any of his source code, Nintendo officially has legal grounds to go ahead and, and issue copyright infringement on you. Um, right now, as it stands in the U.S., at least, uh, reverse engineering an emulator and doing all of that that they do is not illegal. So it only becomes illegal when you start copying source code and start copying other materials from the actual creator. So now, obviously, uh, the reason they don't like emulators in general is because it, you know, allows for pri piracy and stuff and people, you know, taking a game, putting it on a console, putting it on, um, well, not a console, but, you know, selling it, basically reselling it. And so, yeah, I mean, honestly, I could totally see where the emulator community would not be excited about this. It really has no benefit to them. And it actually makes you wonder if Nintendo purposefully leaks some of this stuff, because what good is it for them to have this stuff? You know, I mean, obviously it's their intellectual property, but if it's reused, do you know how many people they could chase if this is reused in any way? Like they could pretty much have just put out all trap. this content. Exactly, it's a trap. So all of this content that they've gone ahead and we'll just say leaked, if this hits other types of emulator software out there, people that are doing stuff with it, and, you know, at the end of the day, they could shut down a ton of folks just like that because people fell for it. So it's it's interesting to see if, uh, you know, if this was really a leak or is this Nintendo just releasing a bunch of stuff that they may not feel is worth anything? Like, what is what does Nintendo stand to lose by releasing source code for the N64? Um, I mean, it's still trade secrets. It's still stuff that, you know, just because these people are trying to, but to do what extent? well, because these people are trying to do emulation, right? Like, hopefully it doesn't affect them. But I mean, having that out there in the open makes it easier for people who maybe don't have, you know, a huge project with a bunch of people working on it. I mean, it says in here that in 2019, they spent about $10 million in, like, labor working on the emulators that they do for uh, for Dolphin. Yeah, $10 million worth of work on the project so far. So, like, those people should be safe. But, like, they don't want other people who could just copy that source code and not change it at all, be able to turn around and put out emulators left and right. Like I talked about a few weeks ago when I was trying to figure out the uh, emulation for the iPad, it just doesn't seem worth it with the rate at which they will pull the license for your emulator. So if all of a sudden that market is flooded with a bunch of people that don't really have to do any work because the source code is just available, 
you know, it could be a whole slew of new people getting into it and people making it and uh, yeah, but I mean, you it know, might expand the issue. Or it could decrease the issue if, you know, Nintendo starts cracking down further because people are copying over source code and not making enough changes. So, I mean, it could go two ways here. Emulation's always been a problem for Nintendo and really everybody out there. There's emulations for PS1, PS2, Sega, you know, every Sega game you can think of, Atari, like there's emulation everywhere. So, you know, it's always been an issue for these companies and it's probably never going to go away. But maybe Nintendo looked at that and said, hey, we can crack down on a whole bunch of people, maybe decrease how this is being created. So who knows at this point? I mean, we really don't know the ins and outs of this outside of there's a massive leak that just happened. It's not going to be really used by the emulator community. And Nintendo's just kind of sitting back and waiting, I think. So, uh, well, dude, uh, are, do we have anything else here on uh, emulators? Nope. Moving on. The uh, PS5's price could be undercut by Xbox Series X, analysts suggest. This is by Sammy Barker at Push Square. And I just want to say off the top of the bat, looking at the image they chose to head this article, uh, close up of the new PS5 controller. And man, I want to put my hands on that controller. That controller looks That's like it feels good. That's what she said. But uh, also. In a live episode of Jeff Keighley's bonus round this week, uh, Wedbush Securities Analyst Michael Pachter suggested that Microsoft may undercut the price of PlayStation 5 this holiday. According to industry analysts, he thinks Sony will charge $500 for its next gen, giving it, its Redmond competitor the opportunity to take a big loss and chain consumers charge consumers less for the Xbox Series X. And this reminds me of the 1995 E3, the price heard around the world, where after Sega took the stage and spoke about their new Sega Saturn console, a Sony representative got up on stage and just said $299 and undercut them by $100 and established the dominance of the PlayStation as we know it today. Can Xbox step up to the bat? and uh, deliver another price heard around the world? Or does it really matter? I'm not sure at this point. We've been talking so much about the Xbox and the PS5. I've been saying for weeks now that I'm tired of talking about the Xbox and the PS5 because it just seems like, you know, eh, we get a little bit more info. We got a little bit more info. We got that big dump of all the specs, and that was fine. But it's like... I just want everything to be out in the open and then we can talk about it. And then there won't have to be more speculation. People could start writing articles on other things. Well, we mentioned it last week. There was a, a leak recently said that Sony will be unveiling their console. So hopefully fully unveiling the console on June 19th. Uh, so hopefully it actually comes true. We'll obviously know about that here in the next few weeks. And we'll talk about it then, even though you hate talking about it. Uh, but dude, I honestly think that right now Xbox is poised to potentially take over the next generation. So I'm not an Xbox fan. I, I mean, I really haven't been. And I've always been a, a Sony fan. But right now, Sony is in a position where they are probably going to end up losing a lot of money. I don't know why they're going to end up losing so much money, considering if Xbox is able to come in at, say, 400 bucks. Why isn't Sony allowed to come in at 400 bucks? Why... What's the issue on their end that's making this so much more expensive? I mean, I really, is it the SSD? Like, what do they have in our console that's jacking up the price that much? They're both using essentially the same chip company in AMD. I'm, I'm assuming that whatever is going to be different between the two of them is going to come down to anything. Like, as far as I know, we haven't heard anything or I haven't read anything that I can remember talking about ps5's vr like we know that it's going to happen but i don't know what we know about that and i don't know how much of that is going to be actually in the vr device versus on board the console but if xbox hasn't even talked about doing vr and we don't have any confirmation of the series x being vr compatible or anything i'm assuming that if they put any extra money in it's probably going to be going into that 
And that well, I was already talking earlier about how expensive that is to get in on on PC. Like it might just be things that are in there, parts that are more compatible with uh VR that they chose that Xbox is able to take advantage of a cheaper, stronger component that does, you know, the same thing within the console for non-VR use. Well, and yeah, so maybe there's an entry level console that Microsoft is going to have that's sitting there at say 400. But well, they'll you know, both come want... out with a bunch of different yeah. versions. We all know that still. Well, no, I'm saying from out the gate. I'm saying out the gate, Microsoft has something like you know an Xbox Series X Lite, where it's just here's your bare bones, kind of like the arcade. I mean, console we haven't years heard ago. of it. Yeah, we haven't. We haven't heard of it. Um, so I mean, who knows? They could be coming out the gate with something that. Uh, is really just not the full blown, like every single spec you can have kind of like a car, you know, you're going to get this, this is what you got, but you can upgrade for X amount, but at least this is what you're going to get out the gate. Plus they have the Xbox pass and everything else that's going on with it. The payment plans, yeah. I think they're set up. I now, think that, I think you and I are just kind of out of touch. Like we're at the point where we're already established. Like we already know where we like to game and what we like to play. And we're both mostly sony and nintendo people and i mean i love my 360 and it was definitely a better choice for me at the time than the ps3 i think and i really appreciate that decision even now like i've played way more xbox than i have played ps3 since i got a ps3 i'm pretty sure and i just think that not knowing exactly what's going on with the younger generation like people that this is going to be their first console if this was going to be your first console i mean i don't think that the ps5 is as far as i know is offering what the series x is going to offer if it's going to be cheaper if you're going to have the option for those payment plans if you're going to be able to get game pass like i feel like you're just going to get such a better deal as a new gamer and that's the biggest advantage that i can really see but for people that are going to get both or people that already know what they want i really don't think that most of the decision making is going to come down to us it's going to be coming down to these people that are you know they're teenagers and this is going to be the first new console that they've had because you know their dad has had a ps3 or a ps4 or you know an xbox one or a switch you know this could be like well, the first big new console and the other thing too is a lot of younger gamers I, I don't know about you but i see a lot of them going to pc for stuff too so uh it could very or well phones. be but they i saw yeah, a tremendous phones, yeah. video on unbox therapy this week but i think it was from last week the video was on a gaming phone by tencent that has like pop-up like joist or uh pop up like real tactile left and right shoulder buttons and all these accessories that go on to it and i mean it's only like a 700 phone like it's not even like top tier flagship pricing but you can game like crazy on it like if you're a kid that all you want to do is play fortnite like you don't need these consoles well yeah dude so that collection i bought you know when we were talking about it a few weeks ago i asked the kid i'm like you know, it wasn't really a kid, it was a, you know, high school student, but I said, Hey, what do you, uh, what do you game? Like, you're not interested in this stuff that you're selling me. He's like, no, he's like, I mainly just play like NBA 2k and Fortnite." I'm like, that's kind of sad. Like selling me thousands of dollars in games and you just play Fortnite and NBA 2k. Like, Some people you're know what they like. Out. I mean, I, we're just as bad. Like I've never even tried Fortnite. And I'm playing Paper try. Mario for like the seventh or eighth time. Like at some point your nostalgia gets the better of you and you stop exposing yourself to new stuff. Like I often think of playing like a first person shooter and it's like, I don't even remember the last time I really sat down and played a first person shooter. Like it had to have been Borderlands 3 or... um maybe borderlands 2 on vita i don't know like i don't remember the last time i was like really in a first person shooter and see first person shooters for me i've lost a lot of interest in them i just don't have you know i don't have a lot of interest in logging online and sitting back no and not a even just online play like just a 
good first oh, person just to shooter. play it yeah just like dying I mean, light I... is a fun first person shooter from what i hear like i would be very interested in playing that but that's not a new game and any of the other new ones that are coming out like uh metro exodus came out last year that game looks phenomenal but there was no part oh, yeah, of I me did. that was interested in buying it yeah there's tons of first person shooters look awesome like i'll sit back and play something like that but you know when you look at the campaign being what three four hours in some of these games maybe 10 it's just not really that worth it i would say that first person shooter wise so i think alien isolation is technically a first person shooter so it has at least a first person view mode so that would probably be the last one it's I'd a play. survival horror but it is first person yeah i guess yeah. maybe maybe resident evil 7 that was a first person shooter yeah i mean and especially if you can play it in first person mode hey one other thing i want to talk about on this price point thing and undercutting though you know one thing that we really haven't thought about if microsoft is coming out the door at 100 bucks less do you think it could potentially be due to manufacturing that they're having you know, it might be a cost of labor. They're able to cut the cost down by going to a specific country for manufacturing and cutting corners and such to get their console out at a lower price point. I mean, I mean it, it the does, manufacturing it does make you wonder. Well, but they're both using very similar chips. Those chips are going to be manufactured in, you know, very similar places for very similar prices. Like, I don't think they're necessarily getting the better deal like i don't know that they're negotiating a well, better deal what's isn't there um hasn't there always been like a weird relationship between like japan and china like does it you know could it come down to maybe they're going like maybe microsoft's going through cheaper labor in like china whereas japan maybe doesn't want to go there they'll go through a different country that i might don't be a think, little higher i don't think money matters between borders I think companies always want the cheapest price and they're going to go wherever they can get it, wherever it is. Gotcha. Well, either way, man, I guess we'll see here in the next few weeks. I'm hoping they both come out at 400. That would be a win in my, you know, pocket. Uh, but 299. So 299. If Sony came in at 299 and did that, that'd be hilarious. Uh, and they'd lose a lot of money. Okay. Well, that being said, man, uh, let's get into our inflation deflation game of the week. So I'll let so, you open this one up. This week, we played Super R-Type, uh, developed by IREM, published by IREM, released in September of 1991. It is a horizontal scrolling shooter, and uh, Entertainment Weekly picked the game as the number two greatest game available in 1991. Uh, it is a very hard game. It is kind of a combination of two games. So it borrows four stages from R-Type 2 and then adds in three new ones. And the game is known for its high difficulty, even compared to other games in the same series. Uh, it's got no checkpoints. If you die, you start the level over again. Uh, it has some major slowdown issues when you play it, which are actually beneficial because there's so much stuff on screen. Getting out of the way is just easier when time is slowed down for you. Uh, I had a really fun time playing it. It was really hard. Like I said earlier, I beat it. I played it on my Super Nintendo Classic, uh, hitting that reset switch and rewinding time to be able to eventually go through. I don't think that this game is beatable without that type of technology. And uh, it's just, it was, it was interesting to play one of our games all the way through it i took two sessions to do it and i think that the flame weapon is by far the worst and i think the bouncing lasers are probably my favorite and i think that the way that you use the option took me way longer to get used to and make use of than it should have because i was probably just being dumb well, um, I am actually right now, as we speak, in the middle of purchasing Super R-Type because I didn't have a copy, funny enough. But I do now, Ryan, because I'm hitting confirm and pay. So that'll be here in five days. Uh, so, wait, dude, did, I think. Did you just make nope. a purchase during the inflation deflation? I, I totally did. I literally just did. My order is in. I should get it by May 18th. My, okay. May 18th, this is. Yeah. So, um, well, 
I think we know where I stand on the price point this week. So my opinion of the game, I played it on an emulator. I now own it, so don't say anything to me. Uh, and I did save states, and I had to do a lot of save states on this game. And I think I got to about the end of stage three, where he had like that squid crab looking monster that came out. And that part was pretty difficult. I couldn't get past that right away. And when I looked at the clock, it was time to start recording. You would actually just message me and say, hey, when are we starting? So, uh, you know, I think the game was a lot of fun. I think the music is awesome. It controls really well. The amount of weapons you can get are fantastic. I would say my least favorite weapon would be the, the sparkly rainbow circles that shoot out the back. I thought that that was absolutely horrible. Like That's just where you were... had your options set up, dude. You can launch your option off and switch it to the front. Yeah, no, I know that. And I was doing that for a lot of things. So when it was set up to the front, obviously it did different you know, things. But when I had it on the back and it was just the rainbows coming out, and that was the worst I one. I don't think I, I ever liked... saw that. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. So there's like a bunch of rainbow circles that fly out the back. And I honestly my favorite weapon in that game was when you're shooting forward. And then you've also got like the little uh, beacon on the top that's shooting for you as well as dropping missiles. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. And then having the fireball shoot out in like spurts of five in like a cone shape. That to me was like the pinnacle of while I was playing. That was the pinnacle of damage that was being done like it was consistent. Like I was destroying everything and anything. The only reason I got stuck was just because that boss takes up like the entire screen, man. And you can't get That's past a tough him. one. Yeah, that was a tough one to get through. Plus enemies are flying everywhere. That was difficult. And he's shooting out enemies and beams and stuff as well. And there's also beams flying at you. So it, it was a tough boss fight. And I'm going to have to get back into it, man, because it was a lot of fun. I yeah. really did enjoy this game. I played some of R-Type 2 on my GBA a few months back, and it was that was my first time ever playing the R-Type series. And now that I've played another one like on Super Nintendo, like that feels pretty good. It's a cool series. Like I've never been a big shmup person, but I think it's something that if I play maybe like one or two a year i could kind of build up over time more of an appreciation for it yeah i think with this game if i were to play this one pretty consistently i think it is possible to get through it with one sitting uh dude i did notice that after stage three when you get into the caverns it does actually have a, a save state there so it, it allows you to start from stage three so that was interesting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, with shoot 'em ups in general, I enjoy them. They're not usually like my favorite thing to jump into, uh, but they're still fun. They're something you can pick up and play. To get really good at one, though, you really do have to like consistently hammer down and play it all the way through and just kind of get used to the idea that you're going to die a lot and you're going to be restarting a lot as well. Yep. So, all right, brass tacks, sir. So uh, complete in box, we're sitting at forty six ninety nine. That peaked at sixty eight ninety five in January of twenty fifteen. That price is pretty much holding. And then uh, loose copy would run you nine ninety nine. Except I just picked one up at nine ninety five, so that's lower. And uh, that peaked at thirteen forty one back in June of last year. And that game has been trending downwards in overall price point. So I think it's totally worth it at that price. I mean, honestly. $13 would still be a great price for this game. So, you know, I'm going to go ahead for my end on this and say it is absolutely deflated. I think it's worth at least a few bucks more for this game. I think and anything, I, just about anything that's this level of quality for 10 bucks is going to be worth it. Yeah, you could pick this game up on like Nintendo Switch through, uh, you know, not, not saying you can right now, but, you know, if you had the ability to pick this up on like the online Nintendo Switch store or a digital version on, say, PlayStation or something along those lines. I don't think it would, would ever be on up. PlayStation. It's super. No, it, it would. I know. I know. I'm just saying if you were able to pick a game up of this nature, you would pay ten dollars for that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Easily. For something equivalent. Yeah. Anything that's like this, you would pay $10 for it as long as the quality was there. And the quality truly is here. The difficulty can be absurd, but I think as you get used to it, it's definitely beatable. It's just, it's going to take a while. And at 10 bucks, you can't beat that price point. Yeah, this is a good I mean, one. You, you can, you can beat the price point. It could be $5, but uh, 10 bucks is not bad. And I, like I said, I just picked it up. 
because of that. So, uh, well, dude, uh, are you also on the uh, deflated side of us? Yes, for sure. All right, for sure. Cool. Uh, I don't know yet what we're playing next week, so we actually have a pretty cool episode. We're going to be uh, having a special guest. We're going to have Sega Shiro podcast. They're going to be on an episode with us next week. And uh, been talking to the guys over there. We've actually got a few messages that came in on Discord over the last 24 hours we got to catch up on. But uh, we're hoping to have a pretty cool episode. I think right now we're thinking um, potentially doing like a Saturn versus uh, PlayStation face off of a game. So we okay. got to see a common game between the two consoles. And then maybe what we'll do is talk about like, you know, our viewpoints on PlayStation's version and they'll talk about the Saturn side of things. And that okay. could be the inflation deflation. So uh, we just got to work out a few things. But I think it's gonna be a pretty cool episode. Pretty stoked to be doing this. And uh, it's gonna be fun, man. So excited to to go ahead and do a, a co-episode of another podcast. Yeah, it sounds good to me. Yeah, man. All right. Well, uh, this has been episode 79 of the Game Deflators podcast. I'm John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. <laughs>